I'm trying something new this morning. I realized, you know, I'm a few years older than I was when I first started preaching. So uh, I decided to increase my font from 12 to like 15, 16 so I could see it better. (laughs) So uh, we're going to talk about hospitality this morning. Uh, Let us pray. Almighty God, we ask your Holy Spirit to, to enter our hearts this morning, our minds, as we hear your word. God, as we reflect on uh, this book of Genesis, God, uh, may you be with us in Jesus' name, amen. So I want you to think about hospitality. What does that mean for you? Um, Of course, everyone knows about Southern hospitality, right? What that is? So uh, we know how to treat people. Uh, Bless your heart. (laughs) Uh, Thank you for that. Uh, So, I want you to think about growing up, what it meant when maybe a guest was coming over. How did your parents treat them? How did your grandparents treat them? How, when you went to grandma's house, what was the first thing that she did for you? Or as a grandma or grandpa yourself now, what do you do? (laughs) A kiss? Some food? Yes. Absolutely. Maybe a nice cold Coke to drink, or a sweet tea, right? Uh, Maybe some cookies out there. Um, There was always a kiss on the cheek when we went to Grandma's house. So today, we get to talk about hospitality from the Bible and understanding what it is to to have hospitality with one another in the body of Christ. So when I was growing up, my home church uh, embraced the mission statement to create disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world, to create disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. So I want you to think about that. What does that even mean? I mean, that's a lot of long words here for me, to create disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. So you guys have heard me on Sunday morning talk about multiple times that it's not just about getting to heaven, right? It's not about just that evacuation plan to leave earth, right? That, oh, I don't want to go to hell, so I'm going to be a Christian, and and that's going to save me. It's not just about that. That's a benefit of being a Christian. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through him. But it's also about transformation in the here and now. That we transform our world. We bring God's kingdom to the earth. So it's a bold statement. To transform the world through the church, the people. And we have learned over the past 13 months that truly the church is the people. We've talked about it for years, and I remember taking classes and seminary on the missional church. And it's kind of crazy now as I uh, have started this semester teaching again, just one class, the difference of the seminarians entering during the COVID era, right? It's no longer just a practi- like a, a theoretical thing where the church is the people, but actually is happening, that people are getting outside of their comfort zones and doing things differently to be the church because we live in this crazy world that we don't know what the long-term implications are going to be. But I remember before all this COVID stuff, sitting around the kitchen table with my wife and her saying to me, it's time to do something different, something new. And the church we were serving 
our staff team almost the next day said, you're right, we've got to do something new. They echoed the same thing. Because remember, I'm going to repeat it again on purpose, if you always do what you always done, you always get what you always got. You guys are going to have that memorized soon. Because it's hard to do something different, something new. But sometimes it's what Jesus is calling us to, isn't it? And again, COVID has been beautiful in that way. It has forced us to do something new, to do something different for the good. So that next Sunday, I shared with our church the amazing opportunity we have to enter in conversation when new people began to appear in our church and how to strike up conversation because sometimes we don't know how to talk, about, talk to people about faith at all, do we? It's a very difficult topic. Um, maybe it sounds something like, well, I go to this church or that church or, I don't know, I've been a Lutheran or a Catholic or a Baptist my whole life or something like that. But to talk about Jesus with someone you don't really know is a very difficult thing. Uh, but we, too, have that opportunity here at First Lutheran Church at Gray Manor as we open our doors to a community filled with people who are seeking God. And you guys heard the stats last week, so I don't have to repeat those. Right? You guys got those? 40% uh, are unsafe. So how will we seize the day? Uh, so for my wife, she's an introvert. Did you guys know that? She's an introvert. Uh, she is very, like, she likes quiet time. She likes to be alone, right? She was telling me that the other day. She said, I just need some time to be alone. She says, take the kids or something, right? Uh, so for introverts, it's really, really hard. For extroverts, that's really, really easy. So anybody like extreme extroverts in the room? Nobody? We, we only got a few. Everyone else is introverts. Wow. We, <laughs> we got a challenge ahead of us. But it doesn't surprise me, I guess. We're, we are Lutherans. <laughs> so uh, we like to think. We're very theological. We're, we, we like to challenge the mind. But we're going to lean on you guys that like to talk to people. Those of you that like to call people on the phone. And, but it's a hard time. It's a hard era because... I remember when I was in a small group, I had left the ministry, right? And uh, I was just teaching school at the time. Not just teaching school, but you get the point. I left the ministry. And I remember my small group leader saying to me, you must barbecue them first, right? Now, what does that mean? Right? <laughs> no, it means good relationships start around the dinner table, right? Around food. And I am not sure you know, what the food situation here is at first. Do we like to eat? Uh, <laughs> I've only got to share like one community-wide meal, and that was at my installation service. So that makes me really sad, right? I haven't been able to see all of the different things that you guys like to cook. Uh, but, <laughs> and I'm sure I'll enjoy them. So this Old Testament text this morning shares with us the idea of being welcoming and inviting to our guests. We recall that in this story, God appears to Abraham first, and it's not clear that Abraham knows it's God, 
But what he does know is there are three men standing near his tent, standing in the heat. And Abraham genuinely welcomes them in. He offers them water to wash their feet. In a charming understatement, offers them to bring a little bread for his guest. And in fact, he asks Sarah to make cakes and overzealously tells her exactly how she should make them. So I want you to imagine you have some guests coming over. Husbands, you tell your wives, make them some food. (laughs) This is how you are to make them. Get them some cold beverages too. I can tell you my wife would tell me to go do it myself. (laughs) She might be a little nice, you know. She might, you know, think about it. But I just cannot imagine the overzealous Abraham telling his wife these things. But I can tell you it might be a cultural difference, right? Again, you come down to my, where I'm from, you go to any crawfish boil that's happening in South Louisiana, and you're not related to a single person there, you're going to be invited to pull up next to the newspaper line tables and eat some crawfish, right? You're going to be invited to have a few cold ones and to share some stories and to hear some music and hear and enjoy life, right? Enjoy company. Because as that old Palestinian once told me, it's not the tea, it's the company. See, Abraham then proceeds to kill a tender calf and asks his servant to prepare it. He takes curds and milk to the strangers along with this impromptu feast and watches them eat. And there is something very powerful in the way Abraham cares for the messengers, cares for God. We know as the readers what Abraham comes to know. These three men are God. Can you imagine God appearing at your front door? Would you know it's him? And I want you to ask yourself over your years of life, have you ever seen God before? Didn't realize it, perhaps? Maybe God was working in your life in some crazy way or through somebody. So I I hope, again, I hope I don't repeat myself. But I remember going to Walmart once. It all starts at Walmart. I was a kid. It was a kind of a hard time, and there was this old janitor mopping floors. And uh, it's a small town. Everybody knows everybody, right? I mean, we know all of our neighbors. This old man was mopping floors, and he passes by and says, God bless. We didn't think anything about it, but, you know, Amanda and I wanted to go and talk to him, and we couldn't find him anywhere. And nobody at the store knew who he was. So I wonder, I don't know if it was God, but maybe an angel, right? Maybe God threw that janitor mopping floors. I don't know. Maybe I sound crazy up here. But for me, uh, it was right what, what I needed to hear in that moment. So it is amazing that God takes on human form in this story, in addition to the historical accounts of Jesus. So these verses that we read this morning uh, from scholars have three kind of uh, key words here. They call it the divine dinner, the divine encounter, and friendship with God. Uh, and you guys, I think there's this old hymn about that, right? God being our friend. 
Jesus being our friend. But in this story, Abraham and Sarah do not know these men were God. What this tells us is Abraham's hospitality is not to impress God. It's not to try to earn favor with him. It truthfully is to be friendly and kind. And unlike most of our modern cultures here in the United States, it was customary and culturally prescribed. Now, I say that because, I don't know, I feel like less and less people want you over at their house, right? And I can tell you, at our house with kids running around all the time, it's hard, right? But in this culture, that's what you were to do. So then these men say they will return that Sarah, old barren Sarah, will bear a child. And this makes her laugh out loud. Right? So I want you to think in the church this morning, if you are 70, 80, or close to 100, if the good Lord came to you in one night in a dream and told you you would become pregnant, would you laugh? <laughs> what would you do? 80 years old, 90 years old, and you're going to bear a child. <laughs> I heard, oh, no, that ain't happening. (laughs) I know I would not take the Lord seriously. I mean, after all, really? So let's not judge Sarah too harshly here. Sarah's laughter also indicates, again, she don't know who these men are. And God directs the question of Sarah's laughter to Abraham, which, again, confirms the divinity. Is anything too wonderful for the Lord, they ask? In the face of the divine, Sarah wants to deny her laughter and her lack of faith. And I know from experience that the belief that you can't have a child becomes so ingrained in you that no matter, no other thought but to give up hope. So once you accept that you can't have a kid, you don't want to experience that pain once again. So old Baron Sarah doesn't want to have pain. I'm sure she's feeling these experiences. It's again why on Mother's Day we celebrate all women, not just those who had children. It's why on Father's Day we celebrate all men. But God knows about her inability to reproduce, her desire and her disbelief, and her pain. But God sees their hospitality and care as a truly creative act. God sees their desire to imitate him and to be faithful to the covenant to fulfill and subdue the earth. And many of us live out this covenant in many ways. In many ways. How are you creative for God this morning? Some of us like cooking, as I spoke about earlier. We like cooking for friends and family members. We like decorating our house for Christmas and showing the world that Jesus indeed is born. We prepare our homes to entertain guests. Fancy or informal, our creative efforts are designed for connection. To make guests feel welcomed and comfortable. To facilitate conversation and to build relationships. Hospitality towards God is extended when we offer it to men, women, and children among us. 
God calls our church to extend this incredible hospitality to everyone, both new people, current people, and yes, aging people. This means people we have never seen in the church, people who attend our church, and people who are now shut in and unable to come to worship. In fact, I remember once this shut-in asking me, why don't members call me? Did they forget about me? Now, I rejoice we have some ministry going on in this regard, right? I know some of you guys call each other and call our shut-ins. Deacon Jim does a wonderful job facilitating that. Um, and I also have a member at the 11 o'clock service who has just randomly picking three people a week to give a call to. Remember, when we do unto them, we do unto God. Extending ourselves to the stranger and those we haven't seen in a long time involves risk and vulnerability. And God extends hospitality to humankind by stopping by, caring for our business, and understanding our desires. There should be no expected return because of how we treat others as Sarah and Abraham did not expect anything in return as well. They were not rewarded with children because of their hospitality. Instead, it was divine favor, divine choice, divine creative agency that brings life to barren wombs. So I want you to think about what does the first chapter of Genesis tell us, right? The earth was a, a barren land without form, right? An empty void of nothingness. And God said, let it be, right? And he created the earth and created the heavens and unfortunately at some point casted out one of his angels and created hell. But God saw their creativity in showing love and care for strangers and he decided he would be creative in return. It's a divine choice to show up at our tents, at our door, in our sanctuary, are to bring life-giving love. Is there anything too wonderful for God? There's a mystery embedded in this question. Do we know the limits of God's power? And does God limit God's power? This text invites curiosity about the nature of God that cannot be fully satisfied. Our willingness to open our doors and the doors of our hearts invites a relationship that will truly surprise us. So God is continuing to call us to be creative by welcoming guests into our homes and into our church community. And he also calls us to show love to one another. So for the, the one short period of time we lived in Illinois, we worked uh, with this church and they had this conference called Fire Up. And it was a youth conference. And Kids from all over the state and all over the Midwest showed up for the church. And we didn't have hotels in Troy, Illinois, uh, but we had homes of the congregation members. So uh, they got people from the church to randomly allow children, teenagers, to come into their home and take over their house for a week. So I want you to think, are you willing to do that? <laughs> Give your house up for a week to a bunch of teenagers that you don't know? Probably not. I don't know. That would be hard, right? Uh, but they did it, and they did, they've been doing it for like 25 years now. 
uh, and it's really incredible. It's definitely creative hospitality right there. Is the Lord calling our church to do something the same? I don't know. Um, but I believe it starts with understanding where we are and what we must do to move forward, to improve. Uh, first off, uh, I want us to think about our own church here at First Lutheran. You guys have one of those old directories? Anybody? You got one of those? You got some people awake this morning? Got one of those old directories? So, uh, or we could go back to the confirmation pictures that we've talked about multiple times. But I want you to think about all those folks in our church. Uh, some have died, so we can't, we're, I don't think we're Jesus. We're not going to raise them from the dead. Um, but uh, some are very alive and doing well. Some have churches and some don't. Some may not have a relationship with Jesus today. And remember our covenant we made with them at their baptism to raise them up in the life of faith? So we can start there. We can start by showing our love and hospitality by calling each one of them. Calling every single one of them. Now, I, I told you before, when we switched over our uh, platforms for the church, we had like 3,000 names that got imported. Now, I don't know if there's 3,000 that are still around, but that's a lot of names. But I want you to think about those people, and I want you to give them a call. I want you to send them a card, uh, and I know you guys are really good at sending cards. Like, I, I give you kudos. Like, of any church I've ever been in, you send cards here. So thank you. Uh, do that. Do what you do best. Uh, let them know you love them. Um, for the people who are sick and shut in, uh, some, some feel still uncomfortable being apart, but it's pretty awesome every week when I hear from people that say, you know, I've been worshiping with you online for months. Um, or we have people from other states that are joining in and have been regularly. It's really cool. Um, I've asked Deacon Jim to start a ministry called the Care Team uh, for these people. So again, we have started that. Uh, and if you've been a Stephen minister in the past, I want you to consider uh, using that gift once again and contact Deacon Jim. Uh, we need a group of people on Sunday morning to welcome new guests. I understand we have ushers, but I want a hospitality team. I think we need a hospitality team. Uh, in the past, this means these are people that make coffee, too. Bring coffee and have people talking before church. I know we have some carpet back there, but we could be responsible adults. Uh, we need some people to feel welcomed and loved and cared about. Uh, we need to be radical in our hospitality towards each other towards the world and to God and all that we do. And just as Abraham was overzealous in telling Sarah to make some bread, uh, we need to be zealous in loving our neighbors. So if you have other ways this morning to be radical in our hospitality that I am not even thinking about, I want you to send me an email or call me or something, text me, uh, one way that we can be radical in our hospitality. 
So that's your response this morning, your response to worship, is to think about how we can be radically different in our hospitality, especially during this pandemic, because it's a weird time that we live in. Uh, I, we're not going to have a gumbo every Sunday after church, right? As great as that would be. Um, but we could do something, right? Um, and also, I want us to succeed in my last challenge as a church, which was to fill that board up in one month of ways that God is speaking to you about the vision of our future. I think we have about six or seven on there, and some people put two or more. So do you guys, do you guys know how to dream, to dream about what God's doing? So that's where I'm, I'm fearful. Uh, think about in your own life, when's the last time you, you remember a dream when you went to sleep? Um, not very often, right? Last night. Okay, so we got, we got some people that can dream. So I want you to dream. Feel free to think crazy, to think radically what the Lord's calling us to. We got to. That's how we move towards the vision of God that he has for our church. Uh, we're not going to just, we can't keep doing the same old thing, right? And I'm so guilty. Like I said, I went from 12-point font to like 15 today for the first time. I did something different. I changed myself, right? And it's because I was comfortable. I had a routine of this is how I type it every week. I got to have these many words, and I'm good, right? So I know. I know if I'm at 2,000 words at seven pages, I'm at about 20 minutes. And by the time I go off on tangents, I'm at maybe 25, (laughs) right? So now it's all different. So, uh, after church, revisit that board, and maybe some of these questions of how could we be radical in hospitality could also be what's God calling for our future, our vision. So, I invite you. I'm just going to keep it up until it's it's completely full. It's just going to stay there. And then once it's completely full, we'll take it down, I'll take a picture of it, and I'll post a picture online or something so we have it. So help me fill the board out. Uh, And my son keeps putting R's on the bottom, so I don't know what that's about. (laughs) So let's pray. God, we thank you for uh, this time to hear your holy word. God, to love on our neighbors, to show hospitality uh, to everyone who enters these doors. God, whatever that means. God, uh, to care for one another, to love one another um, without expecting anything in return. God, because we're the church. We're called to be a family. So help us be that family, God, that you uh, want us to be, to grow closer to each other, to share in some food and fellowship, to break bread, Let us be the church. In Jesus' name, amen.